0: In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We ask you, Lord to hear us intercessions and prayers of the Holy Mother, Theotokos, Saint Mary, and Saint Anthony, and Saint Pope Cordos, and we pray with all thanksgiving Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We do not temptation, but some evil one to our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, and the power, the glory. Forever and ever, Amen. Okie dokie um so i don't usually like to talk about hot topics um just because i'm not i'm not big on um fanning flames um and i think sometimes if we say the wrong thing at the wrong time we just polarize people more um so I just want to make clear because I think some people might have the wrong idea about what this is tonight because I'm not coming in to weigh in on personal opinions about any movement um, because that's not, in my view, my place to do from a pulpit. I'm allowed my own opinions as a citizen, but I'm not, uh, I'm not here to, to sit there and tell people what they should or shouldn't do, who they should or shouldn't listen to, um, etc., um, what I'm hoping, just to have a dis- literally just a discussion about, that's why I'm, I think some people have higher expectations than what I'm actually hoping to do, um, is just to have a little bit of a, a, a background um, for a conversation about um, social justice generally, um, because what I care about um, is that this is a Christian group theoretically. And so um, what I'm hoping is just to discuss how does a Christian go about navigating um, the landscape as opposed to trying to determine for everybody what what to do. Um, For those who have their cameras on awesome, anyone else willing to do it would be great. Once again, you're not being projected. Hey guys, um, you're not being projected onto uh, um, Facebook um, or anything like that. So. For me, when when people start asking these questions, my thing, um we had a discussion at my my home church but this a couple of weeks ago. For me, my mind it was let me just go to what it should if we're Christians is what is the standard, what can we say from a biblical perspective from God, um, to the best of our ability um to form um, a way of thinking, um, is is what I'm going for. So um I was like, okay, let's, let's just kind of scale the Bible, um, for a sense of, of, does the Bible speak much about social justice, um, and go from there and then hopefully we'll just take that. And then I have some things to just challenge people on to think about, um, and then open it up to questions and discuss and discussions. Um, so, Social justice is a thing. I'm just going to say that from the beginning. It is a thing um, that that is a Christian concept, um, even even if sometimes any concept can be hijacked. I'm not trying to be passive aggressive. Anything can be hijacked by anybody at any different time in history. Um, so right from the beginning, there's a sense of social justice in that Adam and Eve, in whatever way, when they transgressed, um, there was not a undue recompense on them. I mean, you can can debate that, but they weren't struck down dead. okay? and there was an interest in justice from the beginning, um, because even within the first generation of humans, Cain and Abel, Cain's primary concern um, after he's committed his crime is justice. Right. That's his main fear when he's confronted by God. His fear, he wasn't like, oh my gosh, I did this bad thing. He was like, great, now I'm going to die. Anybody who sees me, want to kill me. Um, That was his main concern, actually, was about how would people try and take justice into their own hands. And God protected him, which was not what he was expecting, but that's what God did. right? God was like, okay, I'll I'll mark you so that you don't get killed. As a matter of fact, I'm going to set up the tables that... Um, Instead of like a one for one, if they kill you, there's going to be 10 kills in your place um, or however many number. So there was there's a sense of that from from right from beginning. And if you look at the Jewish law, um, the Jewish laws were actually extremely tame compared to the laws of its time. Um, like a lot of people get annoyed when they read the Old Testament. But I'm like, well, you should look at what the laws of the time looked like during their time because they were pretty bad. Um, so if you, for example, compare like the the Pentateuch with the, the, the law, the, the Code of Hammurabi. Um, they're angelic over in, in Palestine, um, where they were limiting the justice in a completely different way than the rest of the world was. Right. So this eye for an eye concept was very just compared to the social norms of its time. In its time, it was like, oh, you broke into my barn. I'm going to take down your barn, your cattle, your wife, and your kids, and I'm going to take them slaves. Like, that, that that people went nuts, okay? And so even in, in, in that context, which might be lost to some readers when they're reading it, it was very tame, very civil, um, and a much more egalitarian way. In fact, even some of the laws about rape, um, sorry, about um, adultery is that men weren't allowed to just accuse their wives. It was a, it was a patriarchal society of committing um, adultery. There was a burden that was on them. There was a, a direct intentional interference of God to make sure that things wouldn't be unjust towards women right from the, like from, from the beginning. Again, that can get lost to people who are reading it when they don't understand it in the culture of its time. Um, but it was very advanced for its time. Um, And actually, there was a sense of justice for the poor too, because even um, those who quote unquote own land, God tried to make a point to them of saying, you don't really own this land. Consequently, when you go to take the fruits off of your your field, off of your trees, um, don't clean them out completely, leave some. Why? So the poor of your people can come in and they can eat. And then to be just to everybody else, he told the poor of the people, and when you go, don't abuse. Don't like take stuff home. For you who are poor that need to eat, no problem. But when you go, just go eat, take your stuff and go. But don't take stuff home because that's not fair to those who worked. And as a matter of fact, there was even an animal aspect where they said, don't muzzle the ox or the donkey so that they can eat. Okay. So there was this sense of, 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 of justice, fairness, equality. Um, And as a matter of fact, something that's so consistent in the old and new Testament is the Lord speaks so much about oppression of the poor, strangers and widows. And, and, and what you might not understand specifically about orphans and widows um, is that in, in this old Mediterranean um, culture, orphans, um, slaves, women, they had no meaning, they had no identity, unless they were rooted in a man, rooted in a, in, in a family, right? Those of you who hail from Mediterranean cultures, you can relate to this more, I think, than, than some Westerners can, some Westerners can too, but in the sense of fam- family name, family pride, family honor, these are vestiges of that, um, where you were linked to this family. And so, a a, a, a widow... If she didn't have a son, so it had a particular social meaning, what the Lord is talking about. If she didn't have a son or a brother or somebody, she would actually be um, a real victim of society. She wouldn't have a way of making money. She wouldn't have a name. She wouldn't have honor. She wouldn't have all the things that are associated with family. Same thing for an orphan if they're not rooted in somebody. And so the Lord speaks so much about them in particular. And sometimes we don't understand that that's why he's saying it is because socially there's an identity issue for these people, okay? And then the strangers, it's interesting that the Lord emphasizes where there's laws about treating the strangers as an equal and saying don't treat them the way that you were treated in Egypt. So even to the stranger, there's a sense of, no, you treat them well, treat them with dignity, right? So social justice definitely is, it's a thing, okay? I want to get that out right off the bat. Um, because I, this, this discussion isn't meant to be about, like, let's just talk about what social justice is or isn't, but just to, to set up, okay, what I'm trying to go for is, how can a Christian view this concept, right? And then using that, how can we just consider the way to navigate our, our, our current landscape? Um, in the New Testament, there was directives about treating slaves that were actually very revolutionary, um, and men and women. So, for example, um, if you look at the church at Corinth, despite its messed up problems that they had, and they had a lot of problems, um, you had an ecclesial life in which man, woman, slave free, and slave had a different meaning than it does today, very different meaning than it has today, um, even socially, a, a slave could be a teacher like a slave could could own land like there's there's different like it's a different culture than slavery when you think of it in, in terms of civil rights America it's a very different thing but they were all in the same society eating at the same table sometimes they were messed up and Saint Paul yells at them for that when there is an inequality at the table Saint Paul reams them out and says no this is not the place for a, a, a change in, in, in status or differences in status um And so then I was like, okay, well, let's look at, were there there social heroes or social activists um, biblically? And I'm I'm forced to say, yes, there were, okay? Um, Daniel, in the story of Daniel and and, and Susanna, um, here's a woman who is being accused of a crime, falsely accused by the hierarchy, okay? And that by the laws of the land, And by the religious laws, there is two witnesses. You need at least two witnesses, right, in Jewish law. So there's two witnesses, both saying she did this thing. These were well-reputed men. She was sentenced to death. If Daniel didn't actually stand up for her, she probably would have been killed. Right? So he, he, he did something. Okay, so that's a very active thing that he did. He protested. Not only did he protest, he actually called the whole people to assembly. Um, for those of you who think that I'm going with this to say, aha, let's all protest. That's not where I'm going. I'm simply saying, let's look at events. Let's look at things that happened. Um, he called the people. He literally called the people and said, come gather around. Let's, do, let's deal real justice. Right? And then they held a trial. They interrogated the two old men. Um, and they reached a, a verdict that of, of innocence for Susanna. But there was also passive um, activism. If you look at the three youth in Daniel again, they said, we're not gonna follow the law of the land, right? Whether it was the fasting, um, whether it was the bow down to these new gods, um, whatever it was, they said, "We're we're not doing that. You can do whatever you want to us, and we're not doing that. Um, And then you see, uh, this is an example that that I I was thinking of. I'm a big fan of King David. Um, King David did something very interesting. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this story, but there's an episode where um, they're at war and two of his guys, like two, like I don't know, like MI6, like Mission Impossible caliber guys, um, literally broke through enemy territory go on this epic mission to bring water to David because he said he was thirsty. And they kill a bunch of guys in that process and they come back to him with water. David refuses to drink it. He says, I'm not drinking at the expense of someone else's blood, okay? So there was an act there. So I'm I'm going through these things to be like, okay, how did, how there, I'm trying to show you guys not just for suggestions, but how we go about thinking as Christians, not to just get worked up. Let's, let's go back to our sources and and, and take a look. Okay. Um, I'm not going to, I'm going to skip new, new Testament, but in modernity, we have big shots like St. Pope Carlos the sixth, right? In, in, in his life, he was a solitary and there was, a bunch of monks that were expelled from the monastery and were not told um, in most of the records what had happened. Regardless of whether they were right or wrong, Pope Croesus was saying, this is unacceptable that in such a holy time of year, we kick out these elder monks who cannot even care for themselves. So if they are expelled, I am expelled. And so he left his solitude, which he loved with all its heart to take care of these monks, right? He became their, um, their servant. And actually he became the, arbit- the, the, the peacemaker with the patriarch and with the abbot of the monastery. He became the arbiter of peace. So his goal was not to say, screw the system, part of my language. His goal was to say, this is wrong. I can't stand with wrong. And my objective is to, for there to be peace. So again like look at the the framework of what we're doing there's a there's a goal here of resolution. Okay? Um and that he didn't come in when he resolved it with a decided resolution. Right? He didn't come in saying, "Oh, here's the resolution. If you don't do this, then you're a moron or there's no peace." Right? It was here's here's the situation. Um i see this as wrong let's dialogue right that was that was the approach that that he had so there's that the bible tells us to look for the rights of others but not ourselves which is an important point because the core of the gospel is saying deny your rights not 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 demand your rights it's to deny your rights I'm not sure how much the human rights gospel and I'm not being sarcastic at all. And I want to make that very clear that throughout this talk, I'm not going to be sarcastic about any particular group. Um, I sometimes can sound sarcastic, but I want to be clear. I'll never be being sarcastic about a group. Okay. Um, and so, um, the, this, the social rights gospel, the human rights gospel, On an individual level, I question, I'm not asserting, I question whether or not that's compatible with Matthew 5 through 7, right? Because Matthew 5 through 7 is saying, if someone punches you in the face, let them. If someone slaps you, like in modern language, the whole turn the other cheek is, if someone slaps you on one side, turn your face and let them backhand you. Because that's what's happening. When you turn the other cheek, for them to hit you, they actually have to backhand you. Right. It's saying if someone sues you, um, don't just like not fight back, give it to them. Right. So on a on a personal level, the gospel is saying, put it down, not take it up. As a matter of fact, when Peter tried to kill or damage or maim for the sake of Christ, Christ's immediate response to him was Peter, put away your sword. Right, And not just that, he then healed his aggressor. Okay, So if we're going to look at things in a, a biblical way. So we're seeing these different elements. We're seeing these different kind of things that happen. Um, I'm not going to read you all the verse, verses in the Bible, but I'm going to read you some to make a point that social justice is a thing. Like emphatically, it is a thing. Okay, um, You shall love the stranger, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. Deuteronomy. So many of these are Old Testament, by the way. The foreigner who resides with you shall be to you as a citizen among you. That was completely opposite of its time, just so you're very well aware of that. You will love the foreigner as yourself, for you were foreigners and strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Cursed is anyone who withholds justice from the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow. Um learn to do good seek justice correct oppression bring justice to the fatherless plead the widow's cause proverbs open your zachariah open your mouth judge righteously defend the rights of the poor and the needy thus says the lord your god micah render true judgments show kindness mercy to one another do not oppress the widow the fathers the sojourner the poor let none of you devise evil against another even in your heart this is old testament okay um, do justice and righteousness. That's from Romans rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony, do not be conceited, but associate with the lowly, never be wise in your own sight. Interesting that that's the advice coming with justice. Repay no one evil for evil, which is not justice, right? Repay no one evil for evil. Doesn't sound like justice. Justice usually sounds like paying back, give them a penalty that suits their crime. Right, which is not in the same verse talking about doing justice, not what's being said to us. Um, I can go on and on and on, but I am not. There are so many verses. As a matter of fact, one of the readings we read during Holy Week that strikes me so much and and makes me uncomfortable because I suck um, is um, there's a section in Isaiah... When the people are fasting and the lord says i hate your fast i hate it i hate your fast i hate your assembly i hate your festivals i hate your feasts i hate all of this this has nothing to do with me if you want to fast a good fast go feed the poor right and as a matter of fact so many psalms are saying for the sighing of the poor for the crying of the victims now will i arise says the lord so all that is to say and I, uh, they as a background okay social justice is a thing okay but here's where i am i just want to start the discussion this part is give me just 10 15 minutes with that and then um, and then i'll open up the the floor a person can take that and say, OK, social justice time. Um, Bible is pro-social justice, so let's take to the streets, let's burn the, the, the stores, let's do whatever. And again, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm just saying you could take that and go almost anywhere with it. But let's look at, at, at whether that's what the Bible said. I don't think it is. But B, just some things for you to think about, OK? when you participate in something whatever it is and i'm not here to say yes to anyone or no to anyone that's not my objective i want to make that also very clear okay do you know what you are signing up for because if i can make some social commentary here um forgive me i don't usually do that um i am concerned about how the world looks I'm a Canadian born and raised in Canada. I've lived in Canada my whole entire life. Okay. So I'm looking at a very different world and I'm not old. I'm only 37 a very different world than the world that I grew up in where we were allowed to disagree calmly, actually. Right. It was not a world where we all had to scream and yell everything all the time. Okay. And so, why am I saying that is I want to ask you to ask yourselves. You don't have to answer me. No one owes me anything. But are you just caught up with the social movement? I'm not saying that even if you are, that, does, that, that demerits because people are very quick these days to assign meaning to everything everybody says. Okay. So in my asking that question, I am not saying there's no merit to any cause about which there has been a social movement. That's not my point. My question is, are you just caught up in the fads? Right? Was it like like a couple years back, it was the Me Too movement. Again, not being sarcastic, with the Me Too movement. But is that what we're doing? Are you genuine? Okay? Are you genuine or are whatever the loudest hashtag is right now is the one that you join? Okay? Because we don't form our lives around hashtags okay like like it's a pound sign i don't know how it got to be so deep okay but are we forming our identities around hashtags um and so i'm asking you to ask yourself are you consistent or did you suddenly care about black people last week and i'm not saying that that's not a good time to start before somebody crucifies me for saying that but i'm simply saying Ask yourself, what has moved you to this? Is it your sincere desire for justice? If so, good. That was the whole point of going through some of the biblical things. Good that you care about justice. You should always care about justice for everyone. And I'm not using that to take a shot at Black Lives Matters. I'm simply saying that justice is a thing, period for every single kind of human being period you as a christian should care about justice for everybody even the non-christian even the person who hates you that's why our lord sense of justice is given to us in the good samaritan of enemy taking after taking care of enemy that's that's a christian view of social justice so ask yourself are you being caught up just by a movement ask yourself are you being represented by people or representing people that have things you do not agree with? This is something that you, I think you guys need to take, you being the whole populace, including myself, we have to take very seriously. Um, to divorce it for a second from Black Lives Matters, and then I'm gonna go back there. I guess what I'm trying to say is When a group has a label it represents something whether you like it or not names mean things there's a reason why someone calls himself a protestant and doesn't call himself orthodox there's a reason why someone calls himself an agnostic and not an atheist because words mean things darn nouns okay and so what i'm trying to get at is if we start affiliating with labels, and I'm not saying you're not allowed to affiliate with labels, I'm saying, ask yourself, are you represented properly by the label to which you are participating in or ascribing to yourself? Let me give an example. 15 years ago, I would readily say I'm a pro-lifer. I'm hesitant today, not because my stance on abortion has changed, but because today it means something else culturally. As just pro choice, pro choice. If I say I'm pro life and it's like, oh, you're a bigoted, far rightist, uh, Shapiro tooting, I don't know what, um, Republican. And all I said was, I, I don't believe in abortion. That That's the immediate thing. And if someone says they're pro life, then it's like, oh, you must be a leftist, huh? Or if you're in the leftist, quote, unquote, I'm using them socially. I'm not using them the way I mean them. Circle, it's like, yes, of course, you of the right opinion. Welcome, brother. Welcome, sister. Welcome pro-goodness, pro-equality, right? We throw all sorts of labels at everything, and they mean things, right? And they meant, they're meant to exclude certain people, and they're meant to include certain people. So, for example, I watched the movie Lincoln years ago, and I loved it. I was one of the most anti-American people growing up. Um, But when I watch Lincoln, I'm like, dang, this is awesome. Sign me up. I would love to be American if this was America. Right? So imagine if I saw that movie. Just I want to use a different analogy right now than Black Lives Matter. But if I use a different analogy and I look at that and like, wow, America was great. And then here comes a president who says, make America great again. And I'm like, yeah, sign me up. I, I agree. Let's make America great again. Why am I using an example? Because... If I were to say that to any American, they might pause and say, "No, but mega means something else." Mega means you support this president, it means you support this policy, it means that you're you stand on this with immigration, you stand on this with social rights, you stand on this and this and this and this and this and I'm like, "Oh no, I just really meant it as make America great again. That's all I want. I think it was great, I don't think it is anymore. I want to make it great again." And you're like, "Well, then you can't use that slogan." I'm using that as an example to say, well, you need to be consistent and I'm not going to give any kind of position. I don't even know enough to have a position, to be quite frank on Black Lives Matter. But I'm saying that if you're going to affiliate with any label, whether it's BLM, whether it's Mega, whether it's whatever it is you want, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, like WWJD, I don't care. Ask yourself, what does it mean What does it stand for? And do I, as a Christian, agree with the totality of it? Because if I don't, it's simple. Don't use that as your label. You can still stand for justice without that particular label. Right? That's why today I might not say I'm a pro-lifer. I I, I am at heart. Okay. But I might not use that. I might just say, I I am a citizen who doesn't believe in abortion. That's that's my stance. You're asking my stance, that's my stance, okay? As an equal citizen in the country to everybody else. So ask yourself about representation. Who are you standing with? Who are you yelling with? Who are you identifying with? What is your hashtag and what does it mean? Um, Because we've got to be um, understanding this. I'm not here to tell you which one you should stand with. I'm simply saying, when you do, know what it means. Do your research. Right. Imagine like you're, you, you some movement and find out it got hijacked. For example, the, to give an Egyptian example, when the revolutions were happening, what started off as a real movement of the people got hijacked by 20 different groups. Right. And suddenly it was like, okay, well, which group do I belong to? I was at the same protest as that guy, but I don't believe in that. And every single platform, was claiming to be the authentic, true to the revolution platform, even the Salafis, right? So you've got to be aware, right? I'm not not saying rocket science. I'm just saying we tend to be emotional about these things and get swept up by feeling like we're supposed to say and do certain things. And I'm just saying, step back and ask the objective question of should I, okay? Um, Are you consistent? Are you consistent? you know, one of, one of the Eastern Orthodox hierarchs went out and joined the protests. And as people called them out on it, and I think rightfully so, not because of my position on the protests, they called them out because they said, you are breaking the law, you are not social distancing, you're doing all of these things for this movement, but you were not willing to do so for Eucharist. Why? It's a fair question. And I'm not criticizing that bishop. If he said no to both or yes to both, I'd be like, no problem. You're consistent. I like consistency. But when you say yes to one and no to the other, then you have to ask why. Okay. You have to question your consistency. Right. And so have you been like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that some priest wants to open the church. Um, And how dare they? And at the same time being like, yeah, man, I'm on the streets. I don't care. Bun this. Right? Be consistent. Again, I'm not telling you whether you're right or wrong about church or the protest. I'm simply saying, be consistent. Ask yourself that. Are you being consistent? Because maybe you are so moved that you feel the need to, but I'm saying challenge yourself. Challenge yourself about what, what your actions may or may not mean. Ask yourself, what is the social meaning of what you're doing? So that you can assess is that wrong on a cultural or social level, because whether we like it or not, we all live in culture, period. And there are some things that are going to be a subjective right or wrong based on culture. Right. That's not just a thing for Egypt. That's a thing for here, too. We have signs up at stores saying no shirt, no shoes, no service right? Somebody in a culture where they're always walking around shirtless might think you're so backwards and 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 dumb, whereas we're telling them, no, you can't be served here, right? If somebody were to come in for communion, I'm sorry, in their underwear, I would say there's something culturally wrong about what that person is doing. Unless they were mugged and robbed on their way into the church, then like, dude, put some clothes on. That's That's how our culture works, right? We wear clothes still. We might not eventually, but we still do, okay? So, Ask yourself culturally, the thing that you're doing or not doing, what does it mean culturally? Right? So because a protest today means something different than it did 100 years. It's, it's, not, as, it's not as revolutionary for one, um, but it also might be socially more acceptable for those who are against it. But ask about your behavior in it. Ask about the things that you're doing. Right? What does, what does looting mean? And I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to discredit a whole movement because people might do something wrong. Okay, I'm not drawing those lines. I'm simply saying, ask about what your behavior means. Is there something that you're doing that could be interpreted by a normal, rational member of society? I'm not talking about the deep philosopher who tears apart every single thing you do. I'm talking about, generally speaking, on a status quo level, how do your behaviors get interpreted? Right? And so, like, if I were as a priest right now to get onto social media and say some choice French word, to all people who are doing some particular behavior, that has a social and cultural meaning that I can be held accountable to because I live in this society, right? So ask yourself that, because I think people are very good about asking everybody else these questions. This is why everything here is saying, ask yourself. But I'm saying, instead of just focusing on everybody else, focus on you and ask yourself these questions okay so like i said be careful slogans um differentiate the role of the institution and the role of individuals this is where i am gonna whine a little bit i don't usually what i'm going to i just find it ridiculous sometimes and, and and i'm sorry for venting i shouldn't but i'm going to when people talk about the divorce between church and state which incidentally is the christian invention but no problem um but when everyone's saying, get the church the hell out of here, pardon my French. And then when something like this happens, they're saying, Where's the church speak? And I was like, now you want us to talk. You've been telling us to shut up for the last 50 years. Right? Like, like it's a question of consistency, right? I was saying, well, here you're allowed to speak and here you're not allowed to speak. I'm not gonna get into a social commentary of right and wrong and who said what and why this happened and why like I get it. There's history, there's politics, yada yada, yada, no problem. My point is. Your role as a citizen is different than the role of the institution. And so you do need to ask the question of what is it? Because the institution has to play a particular function and role. And the individual as a member of society has to look at what is my role as an individual as a member of society. It's own different question. And a question that needs to be asked, I don't have the answer to it is the recognition that we live in a democracy. Because in the history of civilization, democracy is a little baby. Um, And the claim of democracy is that governments and institutions receive their power not from on high, not by divine right, not by lineage, but by the people. Consequently, the way that they, that that civilians interact with government will inherently be different. Based on that premise, right? And so, we have to ask that question: What is that rule, um, and how do I fit into it? Um, I don't have the answer to that because I think we're we kind of make up stuff. But that's a whole something different. Some other questions to consider. So, those are questions to consider about your participation, okay? I want to ask some questions that are more about your internal disposition, and then, and then open it up. I don't know that we ask ourselves in this social climate, do you have to talk about everything? Because I feel that that's what's being um, promoted. That that we must speak about everything. I'm not answering that. I'm I'm asking that. Do we? I look at the Lord and I don't see that He did that. Right? Our Lord didn't come in me like down with Rome. Jesus is Jesus is in the house. He didn't. Right? Um. He didn't. When they said, "Oh, what about these taxes?" and the Roman taxes were viewed as oppressive, He said, "Yeah, pay it." what's the problem just pay your taxes right and so i'm i'm not saying therefore because everybody's going to be quick to like aha so you're saying this no i'm not saying anything i'm saying do we need to speak all the time i don't think so okay um ask what you're saying what is your saying your act of saying doing is it effective objectively not just in your personal opinion is it objectively is it effective does it unite people? Because the, the, the objective of social justice biblically was, was unity and love. So is your method of pursuit or speaking about social justice, does it unite people or does it further divide and polarize? Because if so, then is what you're doing really holy? And is what you're doing really even, forget religion for a second, is it even constructive? Right? If all you're doing is is, is creating more islands of people, then, then you need to ask that question. Does it divide? Does it solve? Ask yourself, are you an opportunist? Is this your chance to just hijack a movement for your own personal aims, whatever they are, whatever they are, because there are so many different ways any of us could do that easily. Right? There's a reason why I intentionally didn't speak for a long time and I'm still not even weighing in, to be honest with you, I'm not weighing in, I don't wanna hijack. I don't wanna be an opportunist either. Like, oh, here's my chance to tell them this. No, I don't care. I'm not here to control anybody. It's not my job, right? You have free will. I, I, I have no desire to, to, to trample on anyone's free will. God doesn't, I'm not, okay? But are you an opportunist? You should ask yourself that. Are you criticizing others? This is where I I see a big issue. Are you sitting from your proverbial chair or throne and pointing at everybody? I look at that person, that person, that person, that person, that person. Is that your duty? Is it your duty to fix all these other people? What is your objective? Have you defined it? Is it that you want to call out certain people? Is that you want the system to be fixed? And if so, have you evaluated? That's what I'm saying. All these questions are meant to bring you a little bit back objectivity. And in particular, are you calling out others and calling out your cause in relation to or comparison to other causes? That seems to me to be a bit of a phenomenon. And that, that, that raises some yellow lights to me. By by saying that, no, here's why you have to jump on on this particular movement. It's one thing to say, do you agree that there is this is injustice? Do you want to participate? It's another thing to say, you need to do this. Um when the when the protests first started happening, I didn't even know. I don't listen to the news much at all. Um and so I had made a comment not even knowing about what was going on in a Q&A, um, shout out Vancouver crew, but somebody on a personal note was just got very upset being like attacking our parents' views about um, Egypt and their views about justice in Egypt because of Muslim oppression in their view. And so the immediate question to me is like, why does your concern about what happened to George, which is, I hope it goes without saying, an atrocity. Okay? And completely wrong. I, I I hope there's no need to clarify that, right? But why does that have to be at the expense of what your parents believe in too? You didn't get a failed exam because of your name. You don't have a family member that was uh, shot with 18 bullets that had to literally I, my cousins had this happen right where they had to flee the country um they had to flee the city dressed as a woman to get out of the hospital alive you didn't go through that so you don't need to tell another group to shut up because of the group that you are moved by right so are you are you are you producing are you are you proclaiming your cause at the expense of others what do i mean by this things like saying Your silence is deafening. Again, these these slogans. In saying to somebody, your silence is deafening. What are you really saying? Are you saying that the only way to speak in this cause is the way that I am? The way that this group is? Is that what you're saying? Because because the person who you're calling silent, how did you evaluate their silence? I'm not saying your evaluation is wrong. I'm just saying, ask yourself how you did it, okay? And then ask, do they have to speak the same way that I do? Because maybe someone is being consistent. On what basis have you decided that? Imagine if somebody were to go up to you or anybody in your room um, anywhere and say to you, um, because of these murders that happened in Egypt, your silence is deafening. I better see you on the streets tomorrow as we protest what happened in Egypt or Lebanon or Syria or Iraq or Palestine or Nigeria. Would you feel that the only way to pursue justice has to be in your joining people in a particular way? I'm not saying that that's a wrong way to participate. I'm saying, is that the only, objectively? And if so, then, then should we speak that way? Imagine if someone told you they're praying for you and you said to them, your prayers aren't good enough, give me your money right now. What I need is money. If you care about my poverty, Give me money right now. Or somebody said, I am really sad. My mother is dying. And then the person says, oh, well, if you care, then you better be with me at the hospital for the next week while I'm there day and night. Would it be fair to say that, oh, well, you didn't? Well, then your, your silence is deafening. They were just words. Or would you allow the person to find a way to express care in different ways? Someone might cook, someone might visit, someone might pick up kids. Someone might actually have some kind of circumstances that prevent them from doing the thing that you want them to do legitimately. But when we yell things like that, we are, we are prosecuting and condemning in one go, which is not the gospel. And that is not just judgment, right? And social justice has to be in all ways, right? It's not just for one. We should be concerned about everybody. I'm not saying like there's there's been all these ridiculous like fights about when someone says, well, everyone's lives matter, and then someone will be like, oh, but this, but oh, but that. And everyone just starts screaming and yelling, whatever. Okay, I don't care what you want to yell and scream about. The question is. How are you forming those things? And are you just yelling and screaming? There's a famous um, Canadian author. Um, this might date me. I know some people in this room will probably know what I'm talking about, Margaret Atwood. Um, and uh, for those of you, she, uh, you guys might have seen, I know there's this TV series now that I did very well. It got nominated for awards, The Handmaid's Tale. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. She wrote that. Um, Margaret Atwood wrote a really good column. Um, BC seems to be the spotlight today. Um, University of British Columbia had fired a male professor during the Me Too movement. um, And he was made to sign without knowing what the accusations were. He was forced to sign a non-disclosure agreement to accept whatever they were about to do to him and he wasn't allowed to speak. And they fired him. So a group of prominent Canadians um, I think those in particular who at some point either were grads of or taught at UBC, wrote an open letter condemning that because right after they fired him, they publicly said this guy molested women and they took him to town and they humiliated him and he was in a legally binding agreement to not speak. So Margaret Atwood, among others, signed a letter saying that's not just, which was very impressive. I was very, very like moved by her consistency. Who started yelling and screaming at Margaret Atwood? Feminists. And told her, what kind of woman are you that you don't support the Me Too Too movement and that you don't care about women's rights and how far we've came, that you're ready to protect this molester. Prosecution, judgment, done. And Margaret Atwood wrote a column for for the newspaper that was awesome, I think it was The Globe, um, saying it was called, am I a bad feminist? Because I believe in justice because if anybody else had done this, we would have called them out on it. But apparently if it's done in the name of me Too movement, that's okay. I was very, 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 very impressed by it. Right? So it's, it's, it's an ask of us to be objective, right? And ask, what are you saying? And are you being, being consistent? So I'll wrap it up as a key point as Christians, we try and navigate our decisions in real life based on the gospel. If we're Christians, okay, not on emotions and social triggers, you're gonna have those, but it's just not how you're regulated. Okay, we're all gonna have emotions, we're all gonna have triggers. I, I certainly have them. Okay, your identity is not BLM. It is not pro-life, it's not pro-choice, it's not LGBTQ+, it is not Egypt, USA, Canada, Sudan. These are all social constructs. Your identity is in the image and likeness of God. Make sure that all things conform to that first. That is where we where we start, that is where we end. Okay, that is, that is the standard. Um, and so to me, my closing line is what I say to almost everybody. Be yourself. Don't sin. Whatever your personality is, no problem. Go with it. Just don't do wrong. For some of you, that might mean participating in something. No problem. Just don't sin. For some of you, it might mean not doing it in that way. No problem. Just don't sin. That to me is is, is the approach that I think that we should have. If we If we do this, I think things would be a lot more peaceful. Um, glory to God forever, amen. Um, open up to any questions. I know some of you might've been looking for answers about certain things, but that was not my intention at any point. Uh, Matt Masoud, you have your hand up, go for it. Um, you are unmuted, you can go now. Hey, Woon,
1: how are
0: you? I have a quick cl- Two two
1: questions actually I have so,
0: one. Okay, um, it might have been an accident. Huh? Um, If one of the Seattle crew wants to give him a poke, go for it. (laughs) Um, let me see the messages in here. Um, those of you who want to ask using the mic, feel free to use the raise your hand um, function, um, and then uh, Mina can can unmute. Um. Uh, apart from all these verses that talk about social justice isn't just being a Christian and living a Christian life of love enough for us to not discriminate and treat everyone equally like can't this be enough of an argument yeah it it, it can be the reason the reason why there seems to be division is when there seems to be a demand that people must show their disapproval in a particular way Right. And that that that's to me, the underlying issue is that there seems to be a lot of, of bullying from all directions. I'm not uh, trying to characterize any particular one group, but there is a lot of bullying and there's a lot of um, what's it called? Um, I can't stand it. The um, virtue signaling. Right. Where where it's just this, like, oh, a good person, if you if it would obviously do this, right. Are you on the right side of justice or the wrong side of justice? Are you in the right side of this war or the wrong side? Are you going to stand with the victors in history or the losers? That kind of language. So that's more what we're responding to of saying, no, 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 no. Let's not get caught up in that. Right. That's all noise. Cut through the noise and just go to the substance of it. But yes, that should be enough because the gospel tells us to treat everybody like that with dignity. Everybody. Right. So there's... There is no one that should be treated differently. And actually, one of the things that I liked, um, Amba Bulis in Eastern Canada, um, one of the things he said was, I think what we should be doing as a Christian community is asking where are we guilty of inequality within our own communities and parishes? Let's start there. I, and I agree. Right. And, and, and I don't even mean that just racially. We as Christians say, we don't believe in abortion. What happens, I was asking this to the, to the youth group, when we are talking about this recently, what happens when there's a young woman who something happens and she gets pregnant and then she decides to stay true to her faith and doesn't have an abortion. How do you treat her? Does she feel welcome in the church? Or is she feeling like everybody is judging her and her child? That's an injustice. How many people are extremely worked up as they should be about poverty, about battered women, about the homeless people, especially the homeless right now during COVID, they got the worst end of things, right? like like there's there's that, that's what the gospel calls us to do if we live the gospel all of us there would be no social injustice to fight it's that simple so yes it, it is not just enough of an argument it i think it should be the argument um i tend to not talk about anything that could be potentially divisive like politics but i'm finding it's becoming very difficult to stay quiet for example, the recent protests and riots, there's this new idea that silence is not acceptable. So the subject gets forced among friends and family that they don't like. What do you do when someone you love does not accept your opinion and begins to alienate you because of it? Call them out in love. Forgive me. I'm not, I didn't used to be a big call them out kind of person, but if you're being bullet, bullied, either take it silently and bear it the way that Christ did. If you're able to, may maya, 100%, go for it. Um, but I don't think there's anything sinful just like the Lord when he got slapped, right? Um, one of the, the, the meditations on, on the Lord being slapped was that the guy who slapped him was at the Lord's talks. He, was, he had met him in the synagogue. And so the Lord is looking at him very directly on a personal level and saying, you saw me. You were at my talks. Which of my talks is the reason for you slapping me? even though he was submitting himself to death, right? So if somebody is bullying you, what I do, sometimes people come yelling at me about things um, before and after priesthood, where I'm like, why are you angry? Why are you angry? Do you believe we live in a democracy? Like, is that not something that we take pride in? So you have a view, you have an opinion. So do I. Why is that upsetting, right? If, if, if you're gonna be consistent about us being allowed to have different views, then why are you mad that I have a view? And why do you insist that I have the same view as you? I don't, right? Um, I don't know if that all just got cut out because it seems like everybody is frozen. Can someone give me a thumbs up if sound is working? Perfect. Okay. Thanks, Sharif. Um, thanks, Nick. So,
2: you're a bit frozen, Abuna.
0: Because it feels to me. Like, I'm not allowed to discuss it with you. When I articulate my view, you only get upset or tell me that I'm mistaken. So I don't see that you're actually trying to, to participate in a dialogue. And so when people aren't interested in dialogue, I tell them, well, thank you. I'm not interested in just hearing your monologue. If you're, if you're interested in dialogue, me too. But if you're just wanting to tell me what you think, I'm actually not interested. I didn't ask you. You came to me. So if you're going to ask me something, go for it. Um, sh- Sheree, go for it. You have your hand up. Hold on. i me. you. Sorry. Hi, everyone.
2: So I guess the, the question, you know, when we look at, for example, the end of chapter one in James. Mm-hmm. And he defines true religion, right? After talking about, you know, faith without works is dead. Yeah. The way I see that, and, and let me know, is that he is, in fact, calling out classes of people that are systematically you know, oppressed or not cared for, right? So he's not giving generic advice about taking care of people or taking care of each other. He's actually calling out two classes of people that consistently face problems. Do you not think that that's kind of a template, I guess, that's similar to what's happening now. This is not about, you know, the death of one person, but looking at systematic problems in society and therefore the people against which there is the systematic kind of oppression or, um, you know, racism or whatever else actually needs to be addressed specifically, just like Saint James addresses, let's say, widows and orphans specifically as two classes that face systematic problems.
0: Right. Um, yeah, I don't disagree. Right. My point is not actually to say um, there's injustice, whatever. Move on. I'm saying the opposite. I'm like the premise was saying no. The Bible clearly calls us to to social justice. Um, what I'm, what I'm critiquing or questioning or, or, or provoking is saying, how do we go about doing that? Because Saint James yes is talking about different things, and there is, there are systemic issues, and I do think part of the job of the institution, which has been silenced, that's why i was calling that out. The church institution is been silenced, was actually one of the roles of the church was to call out injustice in society. I know and I understand that sometimes the church became guilty of injustice herself. Where, okay, but, um, but to say that. There are many injustices and that's not a, however, I'm saying that there are so many injustices and we should be worked about all of them. Some people will naturally tend to one cause over another. And I'm trying to say that's okay. Right? So let me be real. I wasn't as worked up about the deaths of, um, those in, in Iraq at the beginning, I was sad. Like when ISIL was there, but it didn't hit me the way the 21 Martyrs of Libya did because they were my own. And it's not because I didn't care at all about others that there's just, there was a a particular personal link that happened there. Right? So I'm saying yes to what you're saying. I am saying that the Bible more importantly, not me is saying, yes, we need to do stuff. That was the whole first section on purpose, but simply that I don't have to pit my cause against all other causes and that when I join a cause, I should try and be objective about my methodology in so doing. That's, that's all I'm trying to get at, but I I agree with you. Um, The challenge I find in adopting the gospel approach. Can I just get another thumbs up if it's still working on my end? It just keeps going in and out and I can't tell. Perfect. Okay. Um, The challenge I find in adopting the gospel approach of meekness is that while I am prepared to accept this as a Christian, I struggle to accept this for persecution that has nothing to do with faith, e.g. skin color. How do I reconcile this fractured way of thinking? Um, Let me make sure I understand this first. Um, Meekness is not necessarily in contest here. Because speaking the truth in love doesn't mean that I'm not meek. Meek is more about an interior disposition of the self. And actually meekness is very appropriate here. Because I can speak up for injustice, um, but am I arrogant in it? Am I self-seeking in it? Is there a loudness about me in my speaking? Note that I'm not saying the loudness itself. I'm saying the loudness about me. That's where meekness is a question mark. And my approach to um, dialogue, my approach to disagreement and discord, which are healthy, can be done meekly or non-meekly. So I don't think it's one or the other, actually. It's a matter of can I approach all of these things being meek. I hope that I understood you right. Um, if not, um, shoot me a follow-up. Um, um, I agree that adopting a certain label often communicates a clear message to the world. However, I worry that the social stigma being a leftist, postmodern, anarchist, etc., within Christian circles may discourage members of our community from showing solidarity with those affected by racial discrimination and limit us from wanting to learn more about BLM and the historical legacies of racism. If members of our community are to become engaged in advocacy and social justice and are ostracized for it, isn't that more in alignment with the gospel message rather than staying ambivalent about passing social issues out of self-preservation and not wanting to not be ostracized from the church? Very well articulated. Um, Yes and no. Um, And that's why I wasn't, what I was saying is just be careful of the labels, right? I didn't say all labels are wrong. I'm saying, be careful, be cautious um, and do it. And I also was saying that all the sides right now are guilty of yelling and screaming, not just one, right? So I'm not even trying to say, here's the bad group and here's the good group. I'm not participating in the polarization that I'm calling out, right? I'm actually intentionally not doing that. Um, what I am saying is that, You've got to also be careful um, in writing this. I know you're not doing that, but you've got to be careful too that you're also not dismissing every point of the other side of saying, oh, they must fall into this category. I'm saying be careful of categories. Instead of using categories, go to the core of the issue because then, and you're clearly extremely articulate. I actually remember you from one of the conventions. Nice to see you. But um, if you have the gift of being articulate, which clearly you do, then articulate the issue. I'll give you an example, not BLM, okay? Theosis, hot topic in the church today, okay? Theosis, that's why I'm excited about this Corinthians Bible study because it's so relevant to to us today. Theosis means different things to different groups of people. For some people, it means that you've became God in a very wrong way, uh, theologically wrong way um, from a Christian perspective. For others, it means being the image and likeness of God, totally acceptable. It has different meanings. So if I, for example, as AP, as a priest wearing black who goes to churches, if I start keep on trying to pound in theosis, 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 I'm now making it about the word rather than about the doctrine. Right. So I'm just saying when it comes to these slogans, when it comes to these labels, it's not that I'm being wrong. Theosis is not a bad word in my opinion. I can see why it can be a problem to some people, but um, I'm not going to make my platform be about the word. Instead, it's like, okay, whether you, so if somebody comes up to you being like, oh, Black Lives Matter is this, and, and they go on their rant against Black Lives Matters, then it might be good to, to be able to say, okay, you know what, maybe I can understand your reservation about a title. Maybe you've made these important points if they've said something that you think of value. And I hope you can see something of value. And then then you have their you now you're dialoguing, right? being like, I guess what I'm I'm worried about you losing sight of is here is a people who are oppressed. Here are people whose reality looks like this and this and this. This is their history in this country, this is their history in the civilization. And so Maybe this has alerted us to what that looks like in a most dramatically horrifyingly disgusting way. And then ask them, are you saying that you're okay with a systematic persecution? Now you can actually have a conversation because I highly doubt the person like, yeah, go for it. I love it. Persecute black people. If they do, there's something seriously wrong objectively. Okay. But if they don't, then the question can be like, okay, so then what's your way to participate? For me, my way to participate has been this. That's why I'm participating in this personally. Um, do, can you see what ways you can? And that person's like, wow, I never thought about that. Right? Where you can be like, yeah, like I didn't realize that maybe I am a little bit racist. Maybe I am this, or maybe what I can do. And then now you've got them moving towards something positive. But when we emphasize the label, we Unfortunately, because of the way that we're functioning, we're highlighting division. And I think we're, we're polarizing a little bit more by doing that. And so if you can keep it objective, I think that'd be more helpful. I don't disagree with what you're saying. You're saying that the approach, it's all in the approach, I think. Um, Matt, I didn't hear you. Um, if you want to uh, go again, let me unmute you, Kredge. Uh, just real no, quick, I'm Abuna.
2: Right. So your your video is a bit choppy. Uh, we can hear you well, but your video is just uh, kind of in and out.
0: Definitely- Sorry, I tried switching to the better network, and it did not work. My bad. Okay, but well, we hear you. We hear you perfect. So you okay? Perfect. It, right? Thanks a lot. Okay, can,
1: can you hear me now? Yes. Go for it. Click. All right. Click. So I have a couple of questions. The first one is, in the when you were talking about saying things that shouldn't polarize people, and that we should be kind of careful in a sense of how we say things. I, I especially like on maybe like more social issues. I think of someone like Saint, Saint Basil who kind of did kind of call people out, especially on social issues concerning the poor and the sick. And I'm I guess my question is is are we are we are you saying it so that we don't offend people or are you saying it because when we call people out, like I guess the question is shouldn't we stand up for something if we actually see an injustice, right? And it will cause a polarization because not all people, like you said, even like with the poor or the sick, do we really get worked up when we see that. And then we saw, for example, like St. Beza, will call it emperors, right? Because they're like, well, you don't really care about the poor and the sick, you know, or St. John Chrysostom or something, Not saying that I, that we are those saints or anything, but like sometimes we need to say something and it may be polarizing because we're saying something that, is speaking against an injustice. and Not everyone is seeing it as an injustice. So what do you think about when we speak like about something in that context?
0: Yeah, anyone who knows me knows that I'm not afraid of, of polarization where necessary. What I'm saying is, let the cause of division be truth. Not your tone, not your behavior, not rudeness. And that's what I'm saying, make sure you're right when you speak. Right. And so it's about also speaking in the right way. Right? Our Lord didn't walk into the like walk among people and be like, huh, morons, they don't get it. And he would have been right, objectively. We were as humanity actually moronic. He didn't. Right. And so it's about speaking the truth in love. Never ever are we going to say deny the truth. And nor am I saying don't speak about justice because it's polarizing. I'm saying don't offend in the wrong way. If somebody's offended by truth, that's not you. That's the truth. It's the truth. St. John Chrysostom, I'm sorry, he messed up. He messed up and he paid for it dearly because he used the pulpit to attack a person. And that didn't do well for him. And it wasn't because he was right. He was right to speak about poverty, all those things from a, from a, from a Christian point of view. Right. But imagine, for example, if I were to use the Sunday pulpit as a priest and say, yeah, that uh Melania Trump. And then start talking about her sexual lifestyle or say, you know what, she's in bed with the president for the for the for the paycheck. That's wrong. It might even be true. But it would still be wrong for me to do. Right. So one is let the divisive point be the actual truth number two is it your role to speak that truth so social justice is yes it is that's a call to all christians but then you have to ask in what way for example the role of a premier or a governor in social justice is different than it is of a normal citizen even though both are responsible So it's also a question of within my capacity, within my role, in whatever capacity that I'm in, what is the right way for me to express in this? What is the right way for me to do in it? So I'm definitely not saying avoid confrontation because people are sad. No, I'm saying do it, do it in a Christian way. Do it because it's the truth and make sure that you're not overstepping your boundaries in the name of truth. And that's why I was asking those questions about, about consistency. Because a lot of people are yelling about certain things and they're not yelling about a lot of other things. And so you need to ask, why are you yelling about this one? And not about absolutely everything else, because you made a choice to yell. So how did you make that choice? I'm challenging people to that, right? Where did I get that from?
1: OK, and then the second question I had. Yeah. Um, so you were talking about, I, I. sorry, I don't remember the East Coast Bishop that you mentioned, but talking about kind of challenging ourselves in our own community in our own churches about this change, right? That maybe we should take the time to reflect about how we have injustices within our own like community and church. And we should ask ourselves those honest questions. What do you think is a proper approach to really have a, 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 like an important dialogue concerning some of the issues going on with like I'm, I'm speaking even in general, like we have some communities that do have, other cultures or, you know, different, obviously, social, economic, um, you know, positions within the church. So what is a constructive and actual positive way to actually have that dialogue to go forward so that we can actually make a positive change even within the church so that that church can even make a positive change going forward into the community?
0: Yeah. This is going to sound so cliche, unfortunately, even though I really, really, really actually mean it. Um, it has to start with individuals, right? So for example, um, when we're having this conversation with my home church, um, at least half the church is a retreat in Ethiopia, right? So to me, like I was saying, okay, what are you guys doing? For example, when, and, and we had, we had this conversation, um, I was like, I get very angry when you guys, as a youth, they're, they're young, they're a younger group. Right, It's like when you guys start speaking in Arabic and joking in Arabic intentionally excluding these people from participation that's that's offensive right it's showing that you don't respect it's showing that you care yourself more right Um, we had dialogues in one church of saying how do we not have more um, Eritrean and Ethiopian servants and it's not about equal representation it's not a statistics that we're aiming for but it's saying No, there's an understanding that the cultural experience of an Eritrean second generation is not the exact same, even if there are commonalities with um, an Egyptian or an American or whoever. And so we need this, right? And so we need people that can relate. We need people that can do this. Have we actively excluded or is the system open to everybody? It's it's those challenges. It's you on a personal level going out. Like these are things that things like what happened with George can, can, can wake us up to of asking people that we know saying, do you feel this way right one of the first times that i got like um to have a real conversation um it was actually with a, um like this that i'm that i'm talking about it was an ex-mormon i was saying how was your experience being like how do you view it like being in this new community like and do you think do people make fun of it where was accurate what has been your experience like for me, that's what I do is I ask the questions and then that affects me because I, I have a leadership position right now, I didn't used to, right? Then I was like, okay, how can I use that on a personal level, right? What can I do on a personal level to make sure it's not? Because then I know what's going on. That affects my conversation with other people. So that's like, I'm not being cliche. I really mean it, right? I'm weary of a group conversation in the wrong environment. I'm all for group conversations, actually. I'm just worried about it in a wrong environment because you don't want to set a a dialogue up for failure. For example, I would love for there to be a real, genuine, honest conversation between the Egyptians, the Sudanese, the Eritreans, the Ethiopians, the the Americans, the Canadians, about what is your experience in a multi-ethnic community that is dominated usually by one ethnicity. What does it look like? Let's understand each other. I think that would be a great dialogue to have. I know that done in the wrong place, it could, it could have zero fruit and zero productivity. So it does need some discretion. So it's, it's, it's a non-answer, Matt, I'm sorry, but it, it is my sincere answer that it has to start with, with this the individual's, with honesty in the local context. And that's, that's my problem. I can't speak to everybody's context, but the individual has to be looking for that. If you have a way to brainstorm with your local community, awesome. And it's not just black people in the church, right? Which I, I, I there is racism towards them, right? But we we have Asians, we have white people, right? My sister, my sister is married to a white as white can be Canadian, right? And Brett would tell me things that I had no idea anybody could experience. Where he'd be like, some uncle said this to me and i was in shock i'm like you must not have understood it was like no i understood him it was english and i was like oh <laughs> that's bad right so it's 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 us all individually waking up to it sorry matt that it's not more helpful than that um can you explain what separation of church and state is um i don't know that i know what it means anymore because everybody seems to mean something different than each other um, the separation of church and state, I mean, arguably Athanasius made an argument for it in the fourth century, but um, when the Protestants and the Catholics were forced to live in the same countries and things were going ballistic, they were the ones who said, then let's agree to divorce the state from the church so that the church doesn't have any ruling imposition position on policy and practice. That's all it was. It was not to say that no one in the state is allowed to be religious. That is not what it used to mean. I think that's what people tend to make it mean today. It's not what its original context was. And so a secular state includes religious voices, especially, especially if you live in a democracy. Democracy says that we're just asking your opinion. We don't care what it was based on. You can say I'm voting for this because my tree spoke to me, You can vote for this because you flipped a coin. You can vote for it. It doesn't matter. Democracy is saying no matter where you come from, religious, non-religious, no matter what color you are, no matter what generation you are, you get an equal say. That's what um, my understanding is of it. Um, I'm not baptized yet. And truthfully, I'm coming back to faith in Christ after having been agnostic for a long while. Um, When I left the Pentecostal, um, Pentecostal church, I turned agnostic. But the Orthodox teachings um, that's speaking to me. I've ever taken any of the sacraments before, but I want to make a prayer corner with icons for myself. How would I go about that? Um, dude, that's awesome. Um, I'm going to ask you, I think you have my contact info from Abuna Anthony. Um, uh, shoot me an email, um, shoot me an email and I'll, and I'll, and I'll send you some stuff. Um, This one is a little tough for me because I approach silence as holding back when others are being discriminated against, oppressed, when others explicitly voice prejudice, etc. Is saying something wrong or standing up for others against what I just said wrong if done with love? I may have misunderstood you. No, it's not that it's wrong. What I'm calling out is when you're yelling at people to feel the exact same way as you and to express it in the same way as you right? So for example, you might not feel the same way as some of the parents do about their oppression in Egypt. You might not be as worked up by um, wrongful sentencing in American Canada, which is very common. You might not be as worked up about um, the homeless as other people are. And so I'm not, all I'm saying is, when you get worked up are you just mad that they're not reacting the way that you did because maybe they care but not in the same way as you did if they simply are saying injustice is good you are right to be upset actually even from a christian perspective that is what just anger is just anger is to be upset at the injustice itself so as long as you're getting upset is not because you're demanding somebody to be you, and that you're upset because they actually are saying injustice is okay. I'm not personally seeing a problem, but just be careful of those lines, right? Because those are the lines that I'm talking about that I think get that get crossed. Um. Uh, how do you love and help a community when you sympathize with them, but the goals they advocate for are anti-Christian and counterproduction? Um, yeah. And so that's why I'm saying it might be good to not identify with the label um, and instead say, how can I participate in this cause? And I can't answer that one specifically because I don't know enough about, for example, what's going on right now, but I am saying, okay, how can I become a member of the cause in a way that doesn't, identify with a group that I don't, right? That, that would be the way to get, to get creative. Um, examples, starting to say an example, Black Lives Matter, the official organization, says the following on their website. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure and we foster a queer affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking. I didn't even know that. Right. so they, And I wasn't even attacking any particular group. I believe these ideals cause more and more black youth to be born outside of marriage and to grow up without fathers, which results in more poverty and crime perpetuating a cycle. You can apply this to LGBTQ plus community as well. How can you help when their goals are opposed to Christian values? Um, so one is to simply say that's, that's what the whole point um, and I'm not being um, I'm not taking shots of the talk was about was to say, step back and ask, what does the gospel say? Right? So to, to, do, to defend someone, God did not say to become just to the stranger, become a stranger. Christ didn't say to defend and liberate sinners, which he did. Let me be a sinner. He did not do those things. So the question is, what does the gospel say? What does Christ say? He does not say become it. So I don't have to defend, to defend Black Lives Matter of the cause of social injustice. I don't have to identify as Black Lives Matter. As a matter of fact, reading their statement, regardless of this person's commentary on it, reading their statement alone, I disagree. So I can agree that there is a problem with how black people are treated 100%. I I can agree with that. So I don't have to defend this particular cause of Black Lives Matter. But what the question to me is, why is Black Lives Matter the name of justice as opposed to a name among many of people seeking justice? Because this will open a whole other can of worms that I'm not going to touch right now. Which is to me the obvious issue of, if you don't believe in an absolute truth, how do you get to call it wrong? How do you get to call it unjust? All of these suggest that you have a concept of what justice is, what goodness is, which requires a noun. So to me, it would be saying, what I was talking about throughout the talk, of saying, what are cultural ways that we can use to voice our disagreement at a situation, and use those. Use those. Use those, just don't do wrong. Be yourself, don't sin. If something's wrong, then don't use that that label. Um, How, if we should be, do we facilitate these conversations to our Sunday school kids, for example? I personally don't know enough to have an opinion. I don't, want to, I don't want to not address it. That's great, actually. That's a very good place to start. Um, ask your kids what their experience is, right? I don't like the church jumping in and, and, and free riding, but it would be a good place. But the church has to be involved in current events because we live in the current world, right? So it might be worth asking the kids, how do you feel about everything that's going on, right? If there are any kids in the class, have you ever felt discriminated against on any level? On any level, right? Do you know anybody who has been? Do you know people who are bullied? Have you ever bullied? Have those conversations and say, okay, this is a, you know what? Maybe it took a tragedy to open our eyes to become more alert, but how are we all? There's somebody, I won't say his name because he might, he might be in the room. Um, somebody here really struck me here in Ottawa. Um, he, he, he was writing about, about, about the murder of George Floyd at the beginning. And he was like, all I can see is knee and neck. This next part is what shocked me. He goes, I identify with the knee because I've bullied, I've oppressed. There are people who have wanted my attention. There are people who wanted to talk to me. There are people who were looking for care and I rejected them. Right. So it's a good way to use it as a teaching. Um, I'm going to go for um, ten minutes more just because we started late, and then I'm gonna, um, uh, call it a night. And thank thank you guys for those of you who have held on, and I hope I haven't bored you out of your wits. Um. Oh, a lot of these are telling me about the sound. My bad. Um. Also, studies have shown. Oh, so this is a fault from the from the last thing, uh, that even among various families with the same socioeconomic st- status. A father in the household is still hugely impactful, which shouldn't be a surprise to us as Christians. Yeah, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of where they're right and where they're wrong. Um, And I I know that's not where you're going with it. I just don't want to go that way because I don't want to act like I agree or disagree with a particular thing. I want to, I intentionally want to keep this more general to say, be careful with the labels. Like what you're saying is, is, is showing that, that they have stances, regardless of what the stances are. We have to evaluate, am I in agreement with the stances? Because if not, I'm not. Right, If I were to say that I don't like that Muslims are oppressed, if they're being oppressed, I don't need to go dress as a Muslim. If, if the crescent is a sign of being a Muslim to show my support for Muslims who are oppressed, I just want to change it away from Black Lives Matter for a second. I don't have to wear a crescent because that means something. Or I can't say the shahada, proclaim there is no God but God and Muhammad is his prophet. That's creedal to them. In the same way that I don't expect somebody who wants to support me, let's say there was a vigil for 21 marchers of Libya. I do not think it's appropriate for non-Christians to recite the creed. That's not their way of showing solidarity with me right and the way of showing solidarity with me is not to say i am coptic orthodox no you're not you're either coptic orthodox or you're not right so that's what i'm saying it's it's keep it objective keep it objective and everybody will be calmer all of us will be cal- calmer um uh, two, two, Um, actually that was, um, the last of the, Oh, here's, here's a clarification. Sorry. Um, uh, click here to my question. I'm not asking, should I stand up for them? Um, even when their values are exchanged? I'm asking, how do I help without getting rid of town for believing the solution is the opposite of what they, of what they want? Well, I, I, I knew you weren't saying that I think what I'm, what I'm avoiding is saying, I, my, and I, I, maybe the misunderstanding is on my part. I don't think Black Lives Matter is going to the street to say, um, we're here. And if they are, then, then, then like I talked about earlier, then it's already been hijacked, right? My understanding is that Black Lives Matter going to the streets um, was about saying this is wrong and the systematic oppression of Black people is wrong. So all I was trying to say is, yes, I agree and I can join in without having to call myself Black Lives Matter. And if in fact, um, they're saying our agenda is this, then, then, then much more articulately I disagree. But if it's being hijacked now by a new sub agenda within it, just like what we said with the Egyptian revolution, right, then it's about saying, no, 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 no. What, like I'm saying: what are the avenues, let me take that route. And I don't feel the need personally to evaluate all the different people's agendas. All I need to ask myself is, am I intentionally or unintentionally joining an agenda? And should I or shouldn't I? That's all. The point for me was, let's talk about how to make those decisions. I didn't care to, to assess everybody's individual. So I, I I agree. But if that's their agenda, that's what it is. Um, Is it sufficient? Oh, hold on. I think I'm missing the first part of this question. Oh, here it is. Do you think it's important for the church to take an official stance on these types of issues and publicly proclaim it? Or is it sufficient for us to speak up as individual Christians? I'm not going to lie. This is now a personal and only that, a personal opinion. I am not pro the church as an institution. Making stances about groups um, of uh, lobbyists or advocators the church's stance has to always be the gospel because I then have to be consistent the church is supposed to speak against injustice at all times in every generation so whether I need to speak out specifically about groups and events I'm not I'm not convinced that that's the right way personally I'm not firm on that stance I'm simply saying that is presently my stance because someone's gonna say why didn't you take a stance on Armenian Genocide why don't you take a stance on the um, treatment of the Greeks by the Turks? Why don't you take a stance on the plight of the Muslims in Kosovo? Why didn't you, and and, and you there are there are as many issues as there are people. And so, for the church as an institution to say about every single event, here's our stance on this event. Well, what happens if? Black Lives Matter started on one day to have a particular agenda, and then hear somebody saying, "And now they're claiming this is an agenda." Well, I don't, I don't agree with that agenda anymore. And then, did I, as a church, say I officially endorse insert name here? Do you see the issue? That that's that's the reason for hesitation to me. Whereas we, the church, should at all times and always proclaim, even if publicly, even the statement saying we stand against oppression. Period. No problem. For example. No matter what the story of George Floyd is, he is a victim and he's murdered, period. I do not have a however, period. Consider what if George Floyd really had committed a crime right before. That does not justify his murder. Make think that very clear. But if we didn't know that originally and the church made an official statement with its insignia, the martyr, George Floyd, who innocently, et cetera. And then we discovered, forget George Floyd for a second because that, that's too personal, insert certain name here of some event that happened. And then we find out the person wasn't, even though it was still a crime that happened against the person. I'm not taking away from that whatsoever and I'm unequivocal about that. But just saying that the church will find herself in a position where she made a statement that now everyone's gonna hold against her and say, aha, here's your mistake once again. Um, so that's, we, we've, we've that's why I'm saying we've gotta be careful. That's why I saying we've gotta differentiate the institution from the individual. The, the institution, it's like, for example, you as a citizen can, can criticize all you want the way that the government is dealing with COVID. What the government says is COVID has to be much more calculated. If a premier or a governor were to make the statement of this is all ridiculous, That has much bigger ramifications than when you're having a cup of tea and saying it at home, right? That's all. Um, I hope that 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 was a fair answer. I hope that didn't upset anybody. Um, Final question of the night. My follow up question is no problem with the shout out. um, How do we maintain humility at all times? That's such a good question. When speaking about social issues, so as to avoid glorifying our own voices and igniting our own passions. Um, while one may be knowledgeable about these issues and do good to engage others in productive, healthy conversation, it can be really difficult to discern when it is appropriate to speak, especially when these issues tend to set the soul on fire. That's, that's so well said. Um, 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 practice what we preach, right? For me, like how I go about it, I can't speak for everybody. I'm always trying to be objective. And when people speak to me, I think for the most part, I mean, I fall short sometimes, I'm not listening to them to wait for them to finish, to tell them why they're wrong. So I think the key is in really listening to people. If we're genuinely seeking the truth, if we're trying to be objective, we're gonna always be listening no matter who's speaking to us. And that I think, and I know that's not what you meant, but I think that's what brings us peace and humility by saying, I want to hear other people. And I'm not going to assume that I'm right, and I'm not going to assume that I understand everything, and so I'm just going to listen, right? And then I'm going to offer what I think or believe um, as um, um, as a view at a discussion table, right? As opposed to the the view that must prevail. And so if I do these things, I will be a lot more calm about everybody and my demeanor will make the person in front of me calmer. Right, because I'm not lunging, I'm not attacking, I'm not telling them why they're wrong or stupid, et cetera. I'm simply saying, yeah, here's where I'm coming from. Here's why I believe what I believe. Here's how I came to the conclusion that I reached. What about you? Where are you coming from? How did you reach your conclusion? what, what is your understanding of the other side? Like then, then it's, it's by acquiring that language of dialogue and not starting from position of rightness. I think that's where there'd be a lot more peace. I think that might be a good spiritual topic for one of the Thursdays about how do we speak the truth enough? love? How does a Christian, um, um, have a stance, defend a stance, speak a stance in a loving way, when is the right time to be quiet? When is the right time to speak? I think that's its own spiritual topic, but thank you for that. Um, and um, I'm going to call it a night. I hope that this wasn't disappointing to people. I know some people were hoping for something else or something different, so my sincere apologies. Um, but you guys are are awesome. I hope that was in some way, at least. I hope that the discussion itself was helpful. That's what I was going for, was really a discussion. Um, and... and um, God give us all wisdom and discernment and remember that in all things we are called to love, period. No matter how we're treated, no matter how angry anyone gets um, that there is. Um, And I'm happy on like on the flip side, I'm so happy to see people stand up and say that they care that in and of itself is a, is a great thing. Um, And I pray to God that none of none of you none of us lose our zeal um, to care for our brothers and sisters, irrespective of the color of their skin or their creed or their orientation. Um, let's conclude in prayer and dismiss. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. We ask, O Lord, to hear our prayers, the intercessions and intercessions and prayers of your Holy Mother, Theotokos, St. Mary, St. Anthony, St. Poporos, and Remina. When we pray, thankfully, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation, but live us in an evil one. In Christ used our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for forever. Amen. Love God, the Father, Son the God, and Son, the King, you the with you all. Go in peace, peace out with you all. Peace out, homies, deuces.